From Genesis 21, the eighth chapter, comes this story. Miserable story. The child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made great feast on the day that Isaac was weaned. But Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, whom she had borne to Abraham, playing with her son Isaac. So she said to Abraham, Cast out that slave woman with her son, for the son of a slave woman shall not inherit along with my son, Isaac. The matter was very distressing to Abraham on account of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not be distressed because of the boy and because of your slave woman. Whatever Sarah says to you, do as she tells you. For it is through Isaac that offspring shall be named for you. As for the son of the slave woman, I will make a nation of him also, because he is your offspring. So Abraham rose early in the morning and took bread and a skin of water and gave it to Hagar, putting it on his shoulder, her shoulder, along with the child, and sent her away. And she departed and wandered about in the wilderness of Beersheba. When the water and the skin was gone, she cast the child under one of the bushes. Then she went and sat down opposite him, a good way off the distance of a bow shot. For she said, Do not let me look upon the death of my child. And as she sat opposite of him, she lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the boy. And the angel of God called to Hagar from heaven and said to her, What troubles you, Hagar? Do not be afraid, for God has heard the voice of the boy where he is. Come, lift up the boy and hold fast, hold him fast with your hand, for I will make a great nation of him. Then God opened her eyes and she saw a well of water. She went away and filled the skin with water and gave the boy a drink. And God was with the boy and he grew up and he lived in the wilderness and became an expert with the bow. He lived in the wilderness of Paran. His mother got a wife for him from the land of Egypt. And then today we turn to Matthew 10, starting in the 24th verse. It's an odd text. Needs a little help. But this is the way it goes. A disciple is not above the teacher, nor is a slave above the master. It is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the slave like the master. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more will they malign those of his household? So have no fear for them, of them. For nothing is covered up that will not be uncovered, and nothing secret that will not become known. What I say to you in the dark, tell in the light. And what you hear whispered, proclaim from the housetops. 
Do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both body and soul in hell. Are two sparrows, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? Yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. And even the hairs on your head are all counted. So do not be afraid. You are of more value than many sparrows. Everyone, therefore, who acknowledges me before others, I also will acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before others, I also will deny before my Father in heaven. Do not think that I have come to bring peace to earth. I have not come to bring peace but a sword. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And one's foes will be members of one's own household. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take up the cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Those who find their life will lose it. Those who lose their life for my sake will find it. Friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, can we talk for a minute, just honestly? I wrote these down because I didn't want to forget, but when you think about your family and your family gatherings, help me out here. Are you more like modern family or the Adams family? You more like father knows best or my two dads? No, you didn't like that one? More like leave it to Beaver or Roseanne? More like eight is enough or one day at a time? This is it. Are you more like Little House on the Prairie or Loud House? If you don't have young kids in your house, you may not know what Loud House is, but you need to look it up. What's your family look like? Who's in your... That's why I asked the kids today. Who's in your family? And, I, they, and they surprised me because they all included their pets. I wasn't expecting that. But pets are part of the family, right? Who's in your family is an interesting thing to think about. But the more interesting thing to think about is what Jesus says. When you read this, do you realize that this is in here? Like, Jesus sounds like a real jerk here, doesn't he? Oh, yeah, I came so you can fight with your daughter-in-law. Well, obviously Jesus never had a mother-in-law. He would know that just come naturally, right? I came to set son against father, 
Daughter against mother. You, did, you came to do what? Why would Jesus do that? You know, I think about, you know that I, I, I work one, one hour a week at the Y, um, running their domestic violence support group. And I was thinking about those women in relationship to this and what their families look like. And some of them have been literally through hell with their families. Um, parents that have turned them in for drug use and abuse. Parents that have turned them in to get their children away from them. But sometimes because the parents want the children and don't want the kids to have them. I mean, it's not all altruistic means by which they're doing that. Parents who have been abusive to the women involved or, or to the grandchildren involved. And there literally are people in my group who will say things like, I, I just can't, can't be with my family anymore. I just can't have contact with them. It's too hard for me. It doesn't work for me. It will set me back in any recovery I have. Sometimes, literally, if I have contact with my parents, I won't be able to see my kids. Can you imagine that contrast? Family is not a positive concept for a lot of those people. And yet, we still see people who work really hard to reunite with their families, some of them. Like, you know, I've been clean for this amount of time, and so now I think I really can talk to my mom. Or I'm working really hard at the program so that when I go to the judge, I'm going to get, get to see my kids again. I mean, sometimes that's their sole motivation for working through things. So, yeah, our families are not always rosy and cheery, right? I mean, some people out there, not all of you, you all have rosy, cheery families, I know. Um, right, right, Sue? Yeah. Your kids and grandkids always get along with you perfectly. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but uh, Jesus says this weird thing about, I've come to set... Son against, son against father and daughter against mother and etc, etc. And it's like, Jesus, what are, you, what are you doing? Why would you say that? Well, part of the reason he would say that is because that is what was happening in the Matthew community during the time that he was preaching. Households were being split apart because some people were following Jesus and some weren't. And it was causing great commotion amongst the families. Some of you know what this is like. There are mothers in this room right now who pray every day for the souls, particularly of their adult children, that they would find God, that they would find closeness to God. But in this case, there were mothers who might not be followers of Jesus, 
and daughters who might be, and they were split apart from one another. They couldn't agree enough to get along. And Jesus says, yes, that's the way it should be because, get ready, I'm glad you're all sitting down, because I should come first. Some of you are cringing at that notion. Jesus comes before my family. My family is most, the most important thing to me. Well, Jesus says no. Jesus says I'm the most important thing to you. And until you get that, your family won't work right. Put me first. Then all this bickering can stop. It's the, it, it has to, and, and this is the same notion that happens when Jesus says, and this is bizarre, a bizarre statement too, I've come not to bring peace but a sword. What, what are you talking about, Jesus? You're the prince of peace. How can, you, how can you say you didn't come to bring peace? We never talk about Jesus as the, the king of the sword. Well, Jesus has come not to bring peace but a sword because his message is hard sometimes. It may not bring peace in your family. It may not bring peace to your world. There may be people you meet out here who don't love Jesus like you do, who may be offended if you invite them to church, who might not agree with Christian values, whatever those are. And that may not be peaceable. But Jesus is saying, I've come to you for you to take a risk for me. And it may cost you. But first of all, it won't cost you anything more than I can cover. Jesus wants us to have families and peace and promises to give us the words and the ways to make that happen. And it can, even with people we deeply disagree with. But second of all, Jesus says, I have come to bring peace. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. As strange as it is, you need to follow me and be obedient to me because I'm about to be obedient even to the cross. It may feel to you like you're giving up a lot, but believe me, I'm going to give up more. I'm going to give up my whole life for you. What can you give for me? I mean, that's our question in this text. What is it that we can give and give up for Jesus? What are we willing to give to be a disciple of Christ? A disciple, as it's defined in this text, is one who looks like the Master. How much do we look like Jesus? What do we have to do to look like Jesus? Jesus. 
I hope you'll think about that. I hope when your family gets together and somebody spills the gravy and somebody yells at somebody else and somebody tells the same story you've heard 400 times and grandpa drops his fork and all the things that happen in your family that you think, Jesus, thank you for this mess. I love you. And I want my kids and my grandkids and my people around me to know you because of all the things you've given me. Amen.